again our class today. Glad to see everyone here this morning, and uh, got a little warmer yesterday and today, didn't it? But still a beautiful day. I'm, I'm enjoying these wonderful days. I went out and out to Sims Lake and uh, did a little exercise yesterday morning. The trees are starting to really pop over there, and uh, I, Jolene told me they're saying it's going to be later this year when you get all of them out, so uh, I'm looking forward to that. So I guess it's been, I don't know, it's been warmer, or maybe it hasn't had as much, I don't know, too much rain or not enough rain or something, I don't know. I, I, one year, you always, I've heard, if you don't get much rain, you'll get it earlier. If you get too much rain, you'll get it earlier. So I don't know. But anyways, it's beautiful out there. That is true. That is true. Real good weather to put up Christmas trees. In fact, Jolene's been on Facebook and said everybody's putting their Christmas up early this year. Isn't that funny? I wonder why. Anyways. Yes. Very true. All right, we, we need to go over our prayer list before we begin this morning. Uh, Denise Clark, Bradley Clark's wife, and other family members have contracted the virus, so please remember uh, Bradley and his wife and family at this time. Uh, our brother Jim Henson, who's here right now, is uh, dealing with a bad case of gout. Uh, had to miss last Sunday, but he's doing better. Uh, Stephanie Homewood's contracted the virus, so please remember the Homewood family at this time as well. And there are several others that uh, we know of that have have family members and loved ones that are, are dealing with it, so uh, please continue to remember them as well. Uh, Randall Godfrey's father has been hospitalized in Valdosta with a virus. Uh, Mark Duncan's father, mother, brothers, sisters, both sisters and brother-in-laws and a nephew have all contracted it. And uh, he even said Peyton, out in, who's out in Hawaii in the Navy, had to be quarantined because I think he said several of his unit or the ship he's on or something got the virus. So they had to be quarantined off. Uh, that's kind of tough to be in Hawaii and be quarantined, isn't it? But, well, whatever. Uh, Ashley Lee says we'll be staying with the Palmers while receiving chemo treatments, so remember that family. And then uh, Sandy and Austin Helms, sister and nephew of Connie Quinn and members at Snellville have contracted the virus. So please be remembering all these folks. Anybody else we need to remember? Yes, ma'am. No, I, I heard, did he get the virus? I heard he had, Harold Savage had gotten the virus and was and having a tough time with it. And double pneumonia, yeah, okay. So me remember him as well. Yeah, he's still minister at Snellville, right? Yeah, okay. Anyone else? All right, let's go to our Father in prayer before we begin today. Father in heaven, we just praise you and honor you as our Father and our God, and we, we thank you so much for the love that you have for us, for the blessings that you uh, just shower on top of us, Father, in our families, in our lives, and in this congregation, Father, and we we ask you at this time to be with this congregation and test you those who are, are sick or ailing or mourning uh, a loss, uh, that they might be comforted and healed, if possible, Father, and help us to know how to minister to them as much as we can and help them to be recovered. Uh, they might be back with us and be able to be healthy uh, as soon as possible. We thank you for uh, your word, Father, for your love for us and delivering your word, revealing yourself to us through your Son. Jesus Christ, who we are, we are studying about, and we're looking at in the, in the Gospel of John to, uh, in this class, Father, and we just ask you to continue to bless this class, bless the time we have that we might learn something that's new or practical for us, that we might be able to apply into our lives to help us grow spiritually and be a better example uh, to others around us. We ask you to be with this nation now, 
after we've had this election, Father, that we can uh, go on and move forward and uh, uh, perhaps have leaders that will seek out your truth, will seek out your guidance uh, for this nation and, and that your will will be done through the workings of this government. We ask you to be with the, those who are, who are away from us at this time, Father, they might be safe and healthy and get back to us safely, Father. We ask you to, uh, to eradicate this virus, Father. It's, it's a terrible virus. We have many that are suffering from it, many that are, have loved ones suffering from it, and we just ask you to take it from us now, Father, that we might be able to get back to a normal way of life as much as possible, Father, and uh, help us to be able to deal with it the best we can. We thank you for your love so much, Father, and we thank you for what you've done for us in sending Jesus and his love for us to come and sacrifice himself that we might have a hope of eternal life. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray this prayer. Amen. Okay. Well, uh, if you've been in class the last few weeks, you know we're studying the Gospel of John. And as a review, each week I want to make sure, because we always seem to have some new folks. I know we have some visiting with us today. Uh, you know, John's a special gospel. It's a little bit different than the first three. We call the first three the synoptic gospels because they are very similar, right? They're very similar in the writings. They talk about a lot of the same events in Christ's life, uh, even though they're kind of directed to different groups of people, perhaps. We, we can say that Matthew's probably more for, for the Jews, and uh, Luke was probably more for the Gentiles, and Mark was for Gentile Christians, perhaps Jewish Christians too, who were living in the Rome at the time, and, and, and he goes on to explain some of the traditions, some of the law of the Israelites, of the Jews. All of these were written so that people can understand and know about the life of Christ. And John even tells us why, right? John 20, verse 30. Let's go over there and just read that real quickly. John chapter 20 and verse 30. And truly, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. I read this every week because those are powerful words, folks. Powerful words. Not only is he telling us about Jesus, not only is he writing this gospel so that we can know about Jesus, believe in him, and, but we can have life in his name. Not only a life eternal in heaven, but life here on earth in his name. I mean, life lived here on earth without Jesus Christ is really just what? I guess existing like a vapor, right? You're here for a little while and then you vanish away. Yeah, but we can have life in his name. What a great promise. What a great statement from uh, the Apostle John. Last week we talked about the new birth that John talked about, right? Which is described to Nicodemus by the Lord or Jesus. Basically he's saying that unless one is born again, of water and the Spirit, they cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. And we talked a lot about that, right? We talked about how John 3, 5, particularly, was an allusion to baptism. And, not only that, the work of the Holy Spirit. Remember, baptism is something we go through when we obey the gospel. It's we are buried with him. Romans 6 says we're buried with him in baptism. Symbolically, we die to self and we are raised to a new life, right? Raised to newness of life. That's how we are contacting that blood that was shed for our forgiveness. Blood that was shed for the remission of sins. 
you've probably heard many say that, well, John 3, 5 is talking about two births, right? It's talking about when you're born and when you're baptized or when you become a Christian. But really, when you think about it, that makes sense. I mean, why would he say, why would Jesus say you're born of water and the Spirit and be talking about when you're born? Of course you were born. What's the point, right? We're talking about one birth here. We're talking about one birth. And Titus 3.5 helps to explain that. Turn over to Titus 3.5. I want to read a verse there real quick again. We read this last week. But to remind us, what, what, is, what is he saying? We are born of water and the Spirit. Titus 3.5 says, Not by, I mean, Go back to verse 4. But when the kindness and the love of God our Savior toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit. What he's saying is, it's the work of the Holy Spirit. It's the work of the Lord. We're, we're not doing anything. We're just obeying the gospel. We're not saving ourselves. We can't do that. He's saving us. The washing and the regeneration of the Spirit. The work of the Spirit. We're buried with him in baptism in the water, and we raised to newness of life. <clears throat> we talked about also Jesus telling Nicodemus that <clears throat> he came into the world to bring a light to the darkness that was in the world, right? A dark world. A light that, he said, men rejected. And why did he say they rejected it? Because they loved the darkness more than the light. They loved their evil deeds, their evil ways more than the light. So he told Nicodemus, you have to be born again, a new birth. Not a physical birth, but to become a Christian, to enter that kingdom of heaven, you have to be born again. And by the way, before I forget it, Pam said next week she's going to put a roster up on the wall in the back so you'll be able to sign in starting next week. If, uh, if she's not having any pins or anything, so have your own pin. But she's been trying to take attendance, but it's not very easy to do that with everybody in here. So be, be keep, keep mindful of that. Okay, moving forward. Today we're going to move forward, uh, turn over to John chapter 3, and we'll want to look a little further at some uh, about the gospel. And actually, it's going to be a little bit of a review for us. Uh, back in the prologue uh, to John's Gospel, we were introduced to a fellow named John the Baptist, right? who was a man sent from God, in verse 6 of chapter 1, who came to bear witness to this light, verses 7 and 8, who bore witness to the preeminence and preexistence of that light. In fact, let's turn over to John chapter 1 and look at some of those verses again. John chapter 1, beginning in verse 19. Now, this is the testimony of John. When the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem and asked him, Who are you? And he confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. And they asked him, What then? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? And he said, No. Then they said to him, Who are you? That we may give an answer to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? He said, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah had said. Now those who went from the Pharisees, and now those who were sent were from the Pharisees, and they asked him, saying, why, why then do you baptize if you are not the Christ, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? And John answered them, saying, I baptize with water, but there stands one among you whom you do not know. It is he who coming after me is preferred before me whose sandal strap I am not worthy to loose. These things were done in Bethabara, beyond the Jordan, where John was baptizing. So we're, here we have, we be, in the beginning, the narrative portion of the gospel. John talking about John the Baptist. 
He talks about his testimony the, day, the next day when he saw Jesus. And, he, and uh, well after describing the conversation with Jesus, he had with Nicodemus, the Apostle John describes another event, another occasion where John the Baptist uh, is involved. Let's turn back over to chapter 3 now, and let's read a few verses in chapter 3, beginning in verse 22. Chapter 3, 22. After these things, Jesus and his disciples came into the land of Judea, and there he remained with them and baptized. Now John was also baptizing in Anon near Salim, because there was much water there. And they came and were baptized, for John had not yet been thrown into prison. And then there arose a dispute between some of John's disciples and the Jews about purification. And they came to John and said to him, Rabbi, he who is with you beyond the Jordan, to whom you have testified, behold, he is baptizing, and all are coming to him. John answered and said, A man can receive nothing unless it has been given to him from heaven. You yourselves bear me witness that I said I am not the Christ, but I have been sent before him. He who has the bride is the bridegroom, but the friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. Therefore, this joy of mine is fulfilled. He must increase, but I must decrease. He who comes from above is above all. He who is of the earth is earthly and speaks of the earth. He who comes from heaven is above all. And what he has seen and heard that he testifies, and no one receives his testimony. He who has received his testimony has certified that God is true. For he whom God has sent speaks the words of God. For God does not give the Spirit by measure. The Father loves the Son and has given all things into his hand. He who believes in the Son has everlasting life. And he who does not believe the Son shall not see life. But the wrath of God abides in him all right so here we have another account of john the baptist baptizing the wilderness we also have an account of jesus and his disciples baptizing all right <clears throat> there arises a dispute among the disciples about purification about the baptism that was going on right and john's disciples are saying well jesus followed he's baptized a lot more than us what's going on here <laughs> They were kind of upset about that. Why is he baptizing more? The dispute arises, and then John was told, how, and John was told about by the disciples how that was happening. Well, what did John the Baptist testify concerning Jesus on this occasion? What did he say? What's he proclaimed because of their worry? Their, their worry about the fact that Jesus is baptizing more disciples. Well, as far as himself, he says what? I'm not the Christ but the one sent before him. In other words, he's saying, that's okay. I'm not the one, I'm not the light. I'm not the one who came to save the world. I'm the one that's coming before him. I'm just a friend of the bridegroom, a friend who greatly rejoices because of the bridegroom's voice, right? What's the bride do when she sees her bridegroom? She rejoices, right? Hopefully she does. If she doesn't, it's kind of getting late, right? Yes. She rejoices because the bridegroom has spoken. And usually, bridegroom rejoices too, right, when he sees that bride. Absolutely. He says what else? He must increase, I must decrease. Now, John's, John's got people following him. 
right? He's a pretty powerful figure. He's leading some folks around. They look up to him. Why else would they be following him, right? But yet he's saying, it's not me, guys. It's not me. I got to decrease. He must increase. Okay, what's he say about Jesus? Well, 28 says he is the Christ. God's Messiah, his anointed one. He's the reason I'm here. He is the bridegroom who has the bride. And who's the bride? The redeemed, the church. Turn over to Ephesians chapter 5. Let's read a course real quick there. He's in chapter 5, verse 25. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. Now there's Paul talking literally to husbands about how to love their wives. In the same sense, Jesus loved his bride, the church, us, the redeemed, those who are subjects of the kingdom of heaven. I'm going to keep mentioning that because that is very powerful. He must, decrease, he must increase and we must decrease. Well, we read where they're making disciples, uh, they're baptizing disciples. Jesus and, and his disciples, his followers, are baptizing disciples. He who comes from above, from heaven, is above all, is what it says in verse 31. Then he talks about what Jesus has seen and heard that he testifies. Now, what's that talking about exactly? Well, it's an interesting comment. What has he seen and heard? What, what is he testifying about? Well, he says he's testifying about what he has received. And he can only testify about what he's received from God. And then he goes to say, who, who has received his testimony has certified that God is true. He speaks the word of God by the Spirit without measure. In other words, we hear that. We hear what the Spirit has to say. We hear what the word of God is. He's saying Jesus is speaking that word. Remember, we're at chapter 1. In the beginning was the word. And in verse 14, the word became flesh. And dwelt among men. John the Baptist is reiterating that, right? He's saying he has the testimony from God. He has it from the Spirit. He who hears it certifies that that is true. He speaks the words of God by the Spirit without measure. Why is that? Well, he's God. We can speak the words of truth by what we hear, what is revealed to us, right? What God, the Spirit... Jesus has given to us, but he has no measure. He's God. We speak with what we hear. The Father loves him and has given all things into his hands. Keep that in mind. He who believes the Son, verse 36, has everlasting life. Wow. I mean, that says it right there, right? You have everlasting life. Do you want to have everlasting life? Do you like the idea of having eternal life? Maybe not in this world, right? I mean, this world's kind of tough at times, isn't it? It gets hard to live sometimes. There's a sickness. 
trouble, conflict, things happen in this life that aren't good. In fact, I've said before, and you could probably say, life is really just going from one problem to the next in this world. But because of Jesus, because of what he's saying right there in verse 35, we have a hope. We have a hope of eternal life dwelling within us. He goes on to say, though, that he who does not believe the Son does not have it. Right? Whom does not obey the Son, whom rejects the Son, these are different translations, shall not see life. But the wrath of God abides in him. Now, I don't know what it's going to be like in heaven, but I know it's going to be wonderful. And I sure don't want to know, I sure don't want to know what it's going to be like in hell, because it don't sound good to me. But I know this. I'm going to be with God. And that sounds absolutely wonderful. And I believe those that are not going to be in heaven are not going to be with God. And that sounds awful. Because, see, to get through this world alone, I need him. Right? I need him. I need him to help me make decisions. I need you to have someone to go to when I'm in need or need comfort. And, you know, we have our families and friends and stuff like that, but sometimes it's just not enough, is it? Sometimes we need that personal time with him to be comforted, to get strength, to be able to go on in this world. Well, John the Baptist continued to fulfill his ministry as the forerunner, the messenger, sent to prepare the way of the Lord Jesus Christ. And, of course, in chapter 1, we mentioned, uh, we read where he says he was the one crying in the wilderness. That's Straight out of Isaiah 40, prophesied about him coming. Of course, Isaiah, great prophet, messianic prophet, describes the Messiah to come. And we read all about it there. What else can we get from John's testimony? Well, first of all, he was faithful. All right? He's faithful as the forerunner. This event, apparently, according to John, occurred a little while after the first event. If you look at the synoptics, it looks like this is all kind of at the same time or right after it. But apparently there was probably a little time. Jesus has already begun his ministry. All right? They're baptizing already. Uh, so this probably occurred a little bit after. And as before, John goes to prison. Of course, we know what happens to John eventually, right? He was beheaded. He's imprisoned by Herod. And he's killed. But he's faithful as the forerunner. You could say he's faithful to the end. He ran the race, kept the faith, right? Joyful, he just mentions. The bridegroom, as the bride to the bridegroom, friend of the bridegroom. He's joyful. He hears the bridegroom's voice and he's joyful. Joyful to the end. Humble. He's testifying that he must decrease before and Jesus must increase. He's humble. Humble in spirit. Humble in his role as the forerunner. Humble in the fact that he's the messenger. He's the one that's crying in the wilderness. Hmm. Kind of like us, right? Kind of like how we should be living our lives in the kingdom. We should be faithful, right? Absolutely. Faithful to the end. We should have joy, right? Joy in the kingdom. 
joying knowing that he's reigning in that kingdom. We should be humble. He must increase. We must decrease. You know, in our prayer life sometimes, we can get kind of, I guess you might say one-sided, selfish maybe. I don't want to use that word, but maybe. I mean, we kind of get to praying about what? Ourselves, don't we? But perhaps we need to think about his will, what he wants done, how we can serve him, and that might change. We should be more humble. We should be praying about others as well, the work of the, of the, king, of the church, the kingdom, those kinds of things. All that's part of it. In our own lives as disciples, Jesus must ever increase, and we must decrease. We must deny ourselves and service to him. Turn over to Mark chapter 8. Let's read a verse there. Chapter 8, verse, uh, let's start with, uh, well, 34. When he had called the people to himself with his disciples also, he said to them, Whoever desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. That's a powerful couple of verses right there, right? It's saying something to us that we can see that and we can read it and we can understand it. But it's kind of tough to put in practice, isn't it? He's saying you should be denying yourself. Taking up your cross. Crucifying yourself and putting all of your trust in him. Are you doing that? Do we do that? Turn over to Matthew 28. Read a couple of verses there. Let's begin in verse, uh, well, verse 16. Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee to the mountain which Jesus had appointed for them. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Not, all, not some, not a little bit. All. All authority given to him. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. He speaks the word of God. And we must observe all things that he taught. He's got all authority. Again, he's the king. He's reigning in his kingdom. We must decrease. Turn over to Luke chapter 6. Let's look at verse there. Verse 46. But why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do the things which I say? Whoever comes to me and hears my sayings and does them, I will show you whom he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when the flood arose, the stream beat vehemently against the house and could not shake it, for it was founded on the rock. But he who heard and did nothing 
like a man who built a house on the earth without a foundation, against which the stream beat vehemently, and immediately it fell. And the ruin of their house was great. All things have been given to, him, to his hand, and we must follow him as our Lord. Now, I know you all know that verse. Especially the house built on the rock and not on the sand. We sing a song about that when we're kids, right? We sing that with our children. But that's what you got to do. You got to build that house on the rock. Have that foundation in the Father. Have that foundation in the Lord. All authority has been given to him. All things have been given to his hand. So, it's interesting how he says, some say, Lord, Lord, and do not do what he says. I mean, there's a lot of people out in the world today that say, I'm a Christian. I believe in Jesus Christ. I believe in God. But as a Christian, you can kind of see from how the way they're living that, well, I hate to judge, but I'm not so sure they're who they say they are, right? Not trying to judge here, but making a point. We must believe in Jesus. We must place our faith and our trust in him, who he is, and for what he has done. James 2 tells us faith without works is a dead faith. And it's interesting, I want to make a point here from John 3.16. Those who believe, he says, should not perish. Now, Jesus didn't say there, will not perish. Right? He doesn't say that. And actually, the Greek kind of says, it's very plain. He says, should not perish. The, sub, the subjunctive mood, uh, going back to the grammar days, I didn't do very well in grammar, so English was not my best subject. The subjunctive mood of, sh of should indicates what is possible, not what is most definite. So that's something to keep in mind. We have that hope. We have that uh, ability to, to be with God forever because of what he's done for us. But it is possible for someone who believes to lose faith and lose their salvation. All you got to do is go to Hebrews 3 and read about it. It can happen. We have to be diligent. We have to remain faithful till the end. That doesn't mean we have to live the rest of our lives without sin. We're going to sin, folks. We're not perfect. There's only one that lived on this earth without sin, and that was the Lord. It's not possible. You're going to sin, but as John 1 tells us, as long as we're walking in the light, as long as we're living a life of obedience, service, and prayer with Him, seeking out His Word and study, We'll be walking in the light. We are constantly cleansed by his blood. We have that hope of eternal life. John the Baptist served us real well in giving his testimony, proclaiming Jesus as the Lamb of God, who takes the sin out of the world, who doing so consistent with faith, he did so consistent with faith, with joy and humility. As disciples of Christ today, may we emulate John the Baptist. We're, we're to follow Christ. We're to use his example, all right? But John the Baptist is right there. Jesus even said there's no greater born of woman than John the Baptist, right? But John the Baptist had sin. 
He wasn't perfect. He was sent for a special purpose. He did have that. But he wasn't perfect. But there's no doubt in my mind where he is right now. He was faithful unto death. We can use him as a good example. We have him to help us have faith, have comfort, be strengthened. Doing so will give us that hope, help us to get there at the end. We serve a wonderful Savior, folks. We serve a wonderful King. Um, this has been quite a year, hasn't it? I, I know you've heard that a thousand times, right? It's been an unbelievable year. We've had this virus come in and just destroy people's lives, kill people. We have friends and loved ones. I, I would dare say everybody in here has got somebody, knows somebody that's been touched by it, right? Uh, I heard someone on the radio the other day comparing it to the flu, and then another person said, well, if you compare that to the flu, I've never known anybody that died from the flu. And this person said, and he said, I've known eight people that died from coronavirus. So it's real, folks. It's real. And then we've had this, I don't know, this election thing. Very divisive thing, right? And I don't know who you voted for. I don't want to know who you voted for. It doesn't matter. If your guy won, great. If your guy didn't win, well, not so great. But it was very divisive, wasn't it? And frankly, if you're like me, I'm sick of hearing about it. Doggone it, we don't have another two months of it coming because we've got two senators got to have a runoff. It's a divisive time. This world is tough, isn't it? There's things going on this year that have just blown people's minds. I don't know how you feel about our nation. I, I don't know how you feel about our country. Everybody's got different views on that, right? I do know this that there's things that's happened in the last few years that have, have really been disheartening to me, especially around um, sin, right? I heard someone, I had, had several people who have told me this year, or I said, I think this pandemic's here because God is judging the world because we're falling away and that kind of thing. And I, and I thought about that, you know, I, and I don't know. I don't know for sure what's going on with that. I know in the book of Genesis, Adam and Eve were told not to eat of the tree. Because why? They would surely die. They were told not to sin because with sin comes death. But they did. They succumbed. Oh, the devil. He's a crafty fella. But sin came into the world, and because of that, things happen in this world that aren't very good. I don't know that this pandemic was caused because God is judging the world. I know there's sin in the world, and things bad happen because of that. All right? For instance, we've had other sicknesses on time, but we've been blessed in this nation. We haven't had things like this that we had to worry about much, right? I mean, we have sickness, of course, cancer and all those things, 
But think about something like malaria. You know, a few years ago, I went to Nicaragua. I had to get a shot because I was going to a country that had a problem with malaria. Well, I don't have to worry about that in the United States. A hundred years ago, they did. A hundred years ago, it was a very prominent killer of people. And you know, about 2,000 people a year or so still get it and die from it. You just don't hear about it. Of course, things have changed. Better medicines, better drainage systems to keep mosquitoes out. Just putting <clears throat> screens on the windows. They've helped eradicate that. There's things that have happened we're able to do, but it doesn't mean we got rid of it. Makes things tough. And then there's things like, uh, well, I don't know if you were able to attend last Sunday night when our ministers talked about homosexuality and, and the things about that. <clears throat> of course, now in our nation, men can legally marry men. Leviticus 20, under the old law, said that if a man did that, he was to be put to death. It was a wonderful class. I, I thought it was very informative. Dan, I don't know if it's on, online. You might be able to go back and look at it if you didn't get a chance to do that. But we now have an abomination to the Lord that's legal to do in our nation. What's up with that, man? That's disheartening. And I'm not saying, please don't get me wrong. I'm not saying we need to get rid of people that are tendency to sin like that. What I'm saying is, it's just sin. It's sin. It's not an identity. It's just like anything else. I read something long ago that they do Gallup polls asking people these things. How many people in the population of the United States do you think is gay? And people guess about 25%. Do you know what the truth is on that? It's less than 5. Less than 5%. But how can you blame people for thinking that? Because when you turn on the TV, every family show anymore has got a gay character. It's been glorified in this world. I, I don't want to get too negative. But this is going on, folks. These things are going on in the world, in our nation. Stuff happens. It's not good. Why? Because of sin. Sin entered the world and this world became dark. John says, believe in Jesus Christ, and you can have life in his name. Believe in the light that came into the world. Turn over to 1 Corinthians 15. I want to read something to you. This world is dark, and I don't want to play Miss Debbie Downer this morning, okay? But I don't want to give you a little hope, right? And I don't know, like I said, I don't know what you think about the outcome of the election. You may be elated about it, and that's fine. You may not be, and that's fine. But I want to make the point. Turn to 1 Corinthians 15, chapter 20, I mean, verse 20. <clears throat> 15, 20. But now Christ is risen from the dead and has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since by man came death... By man also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ all shall be made alive. But each one in his own order. Christ, the first fruits, afterward those who are Christ at his coming. Then comes the end, when he delivers the kingdom to God the Father 
when he puts an end to all rule and all authority and power. For he must reign till he has put all enemies under his feet. The last enemy that will be destroyed is death. For he has put all things under his feet. When he says all things are put under him, it is evident that he who put all things under him is accepted. Now when all things are made subject to him, then the Son himself will also be subject to him who put all things under him, that God may be all in all. God raises up nations, brings them down. All you got to do is go read Daniel and understand that. But the one constant thing that was established thousands of years ago is he is now reigning in his kingdom, and we are part of that. And that kingdom is going to last forever. So no matter what happens in this world, in this nation, on this earth, we have a wonderful hope. A wonderful hope, folks. And in the end, all this is going to be gone. All these kingdoms and so forth won't exist anymore. This world will be gone. And we're going to be with him in this kingdom forever. I hope you can find a lot of comfort in that. If nothing else, John the Baptist gave us a great example to stay faithful in and be joyful. Have joy, folks. It's there for the taking. Just believing and obeying the gospel. All right, I'll get off my soapbox. Our time is up. Thanks for being here.